Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Emma Wilkinson. And I'm Lily Cantor. Uh, We're both freelance journalists, have lots of experience. Yes, so I'm a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. And I do everything medicine and health. And Emma and I have both gathered a lot of information about freelancing over the years and one thing we've realised is it can be a really secretive world and we've had to figure out a lot of things along the way. Um, And so we also decided to write a book. We did. About this and you would think the many years that we've been freelancing that we would know all there was to know but it turns out we really didn't and we learnt a lot while we were researching the book. We did, we did. The book that It's out this summer, um, 2020, and it's called Freelancing for Journalists. And it is actually packed full of loads of useful advice. And as Emma says, a lot of this advice we've had to take on board ourselves. And actually, we now need to read our own book. We do need to read our own book. And so the other thing we're doing is we're putting this podcast together and we want to pass on some of our wisdom, but also we've got special guests in each week that are going to help hopefully inspire you to make freelancing a success. Um, And every week we're going to have a different topic. Um, And this week we are talking about branding and supplementary income. And branding yourself might not be something that comes naturally to a lot of journalists. No, I think a lot of journalists like to hide behind their medium. But when you're a freelance, you can't afford to do that. And you very much need to be selling yourself and seeing yourself as a business right from the get go. Yeah, and that can be quite kind of a tricky thing to get your head around. Um, Full disclosure, I still have a website that says watch this space on it. Something like that for at (laughs) least. It really has. This month, it's on my list to do this month, promise. Well, I'm the complete opposite because I'm a bit um, uptight about these things and I I put aside time every week to update my website and I have um, all my stories up to date and in fact they're not up to date and I'm a little bit, it makes me feel a little bit edgy that I've got about four stories to put up there but um, we'll go into more of that in a little bit. We will. And to talk about this and more, we have two excellent guests this week. We've got Javari Akbar, who is a freelance journalist and SEO content writer, who has a side hustle teaching Pakistani cooking. And we've also got Paminda Katkar, a former BBC reporter and documentary maker. And she's just a few months into her freelance journey and she's going to help um, help us all navigate that those first three few steps yeah so we're going to pick their brains pretty soon but before we do that we like to do a top tip every episode on the topic and so what advice would you give about branding yourself I think the one thing I wish I'd done much earlier was to sort out my email signature so now under my name on my email I have basically a mini bio or mini cv so it has links to the different publications that I write for that have then a link to my bio on there or some of my key stories on there. Then I have my website address and my social media handles and then right underneath that my contact details. And I think it's just really handy because if you're sending out loads of pitches, like when I began I was sending out 10 pitches a week, um, each time I was having to write, this is who I write for, here are the links to my publications. 
and it was just a bit of a faff. So actually having an email signature saves yourself a lot of time because you don't have to do that explanation um, over and over again. Okay, so just from a very practical point of view, did you, because there's various ways you can do that, you've got Signature Builder, you've got apps that you can use, yeah. or you can just do it yourself in yeah. whatever email you're working in. So how did you? So in the beginning, I um, <coughs> I did it myself. So I was, um, yeah, just I manually sort of put it in, saved it on the email, but then I couldn't, there were certain things I couldn't do and I couldn't change the fonts. I couldn't have like the Twitter symbol in there because um, I use Yahoo and it's still quite old-fashioned and basic. So I used, um, I think it's called Wise Stamp or Stampwise, that is a email signature maker, but it's free to use. And there's there's other ones around that you can use as well. Yeah, so you can look quite fancy without having to create it yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so my tip this week is to how to use social media to best effect for your particular niche or type of journalism so i do a lot of medical uh kind of specialty stuff um, and twitter has been really great for sending new work my way um, and kind of building this profile of myself um so it's pretty much 100 percent work related and i've kind of focused on it being that way and being kind of authoritative and pointing out articles that people who follow me might be interested in. Um, and it has really paid off for that in terms of kind of generating new work and getting interest from editors that I've not worked for before. Um, I mean, for other people, Instagram might be more effective. Um, it just depends what you're doing. Yeah, it is really interesting because I'm on Twitter and I do similar sort of thing on there, but I've started to play around with Instagram a bit differently and I've branded myself differently on Instagram. So... In my profile on Instagram is more around um, exercise and plant-based diet and I've actually found I've kind of got different work and kind of quite random jobs. Um, I don't have very many followers but I think... Cause I mean plant-based diet, this is classic Instagram stuff. Yeah, here. definitely and it's kind of on trend. Yeah. Um, but you know I, I did a gig where I did a Facebook live report at my local gym when it when they opened a new gym they wanted someone local that was female and I hit the demographic I think and I also it, this was even more random um got contacted by someone writing a book on golden nuggets um not the things that you eat but wise pieces of you know wise quotes from people this is my golden nugget in life um and they found me because again um, it was the running link. What wisdom were you imparting here? I'm trying to remember what it was now. <laughs> I'm trying it to remember that day I was wise. <laughs> yeah, it was It was something really profound. It was, oh, it was about the little moments in life. It's not about, it's not about doing ultras, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about everyday conversations with people. It was something okay. along those lines. Okay. Anyway, so Instagram, Twitter, yeah. They they work differently. You can brand them differently, and I think you know it's all a bit trial and error. And just putting a bit of thought into it, and kind of just thinking where do I sit here, and how yeah, it, how am I putting myself out there? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Right, okay, let's get started. We've got Paminda here in the studio, and Paminda, you're pretty new to freelancing. You took voluntary redundancy from the BBC three months ago. Um, so obviously you're kind of new to this world of freelance work. So could you just tell us a bit about kind of what your 
main tip is around sort of promoting yourself when you first get started? I think the first thing um, I've done is, in a way, in a way, stick to what I know best. So I've sort of stayed within the realms of sort of my comfort blanket, which is making radio programmes, um, mainly for the BBC. So actually, the first thing I did, even just before I was leaving, was I, um, I reached out to an ex. BBC colleague of mine who had left seven years ago and really just grabbed her, had a coffee with her and sort of just picked her brain and in, in a way I, I needed the reassurance to sort of say yes it's a big world out there but don't worry you know um, you know you've done I've done over 25 years in the BBC you know how to make a program so don't worry don't panic and there will still be people out there people in the BBC who will employ you back as a freelancer and I think it was just reassuring to hear that um, and in a way the last three months because I've only literally left just three months ago um, that's all I've done in a sense is I've stuck to what I know um, I've been pitching back to the BBC as a freelancer and luckily and it's weird I think things have a habit of falling into place um, through talking to this ex-BBC colleague of mine, she'd also just recently set up her own production company. <coughs> and so I suppose I've done, you know, as a safety net, I've just gone and joined her production company so I can pitch through her. So I'm not getting paid to be part of her company, but there's me and there's three others, um, three other colleagues of mine in the BBC who have also left. Um, and have been given redundancy though so there's four of us suddenly we've all found ourselves all with someone's been there for 30 years I've done over 25 years someone's done 18 years so we've all done long periods of just working for one organization where suddenly now we're all freelancing um, but you know we, we've sort of come together as a bit of a collective so at, at this stage we are having lots of cups of coffee and lots of chatting about what we're hoping to do and the sort of programs we still want to carry on making and actually you know what it's been so supportive and I suppose yeah if you can reach out to somebody and talk to somebody that's already doing it or has done it I think that's just brilliant. Yeah and I think it's interesting you're saying kind of about doing what you know and I guess in that sense you sort of brand yourself as what what you're comfortable with what your expertise is so if, if you're someone who makes documentaries for example then that kind of then becomes part of your brand and it's it's about seeing yourself as a brand and i guess maybe that's kind of new to you at this stage kind of thinking you know i'm a brand now yeah it's weird because my brand was always bbc i was a journalist with the bbc or as a radio producer with the bbc that was my brand and then there is that bit of panic that when you leave and you're no longer perminda.catcar at bbc.co.uk, which is, you know, it's what I've been for 28 years and that's the email you give out to people, you're automatically associated with a really well-respected brand and suddenly giving out a gmail.com and suddenly you think, oh God, I haven't got the BBC brand anymore. But what you've got is experience though, that's the thing, that's your selling point, isn't it? The experience... And you're right, and I hadn't thought about that until we sort of sat down and I was talking to my friends and she said, yes, but you've got, you've got the experience of having worked for the BBC. So in a sense, as I said, I'm sticking to my comfort blanket for now because I'm relying on my past experience of 
you know, these are the programmes I've made. This is, you know, I'm capable of making documentaries. So I'm pitching back to, um, organize, you know, the departments that I used to work for. And in a sense, you know, they know, they know my name. And you know what they want. And I know what they and want. And you know what they want. Um, Javaria, let's bring you in here. You've got lots of different parts to your career. So you've written for publications like BuzzFeed, Vice, The Guardian, Telegraph, um, as well as collaborate on a book quite recently and you do the cooking courses. So what's your top tip, your kind of hack for promoting the work that you're doing? Um, I think for me, it's really simple, which is, is, is more about your character. So your brand is around your character which is just to genuinely be nice to people um and i think that i started off um with my journalism training immediately after that i went into content writing which is all the seo aspect of copywriting for different brands um and i sort of used that as a springboard so when i i was made redundant when i was five months pregnant which was not much fun um and so i was forced into freelancing and what i did was maintain the relationships that I already had so as like Parminda was just saying you know to keep to basically work with what you've already got everything that you're good at use all those contacts as well as you can um, so I sort of kept up kept a lot of my clients when the company that I was working for um, went under yeah so I kept because I, because I kept some of those on I found that even when I lost those contracts in the end for example if um, they wanted to work with somebody else or they were moving on or they didn't have the budget because I'd kept really good relationships with the people that I was working with when they moved on to new jobs they contacted me themselves and said oh we used to work together in the past and we had a great relationship I've got this work coming up do you think you might be available to take it on um, so that was one that's always I mean the majority of the time a lot of the work that I've got through corporate branding um, things like writing blogs, product descriptions, copywriting, website content has been through friendships that I've made and maintaining them long term. Yeah, I mean, you've got lots of different or have had over the years lots of different income streams, lots of different ways of um, kind of doing journalism. Uh, so mm -hmm. how important has it been to you to do all those different, uh, to have all those different aspects to your career? Um, I've, I've really actually... Um, find it much easier to do copywriting than the journalism aspect um, because with copywriting it's there's a lot less pressure there are longer deadlines um, and also you can also find a lot of work which is like a rolling contract so you're continuously working with the same people for a longer period of time whereas when I'm pitching to magazines and um, different editors you will have to, the turnover needs to be much quicker. You, you're going to need to find case studies, people to interview. You'll be transcribing. Um, so there's lots of different things that you need to gather together to create that one article. Um, so for me, I, as my bread and butter, the basic thing that I do is more copywriting. And then as and when I can, I'll pitch to editors in addition to that. Um, and yeah, I think is that's it, really is it, useful because, yeah. sorry. Well, I was just going to say, it because seems like it's the steady nature of that kind of work that's a bit more... It's the steady nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of... It, there's not as much um, fluctuation with your earnings as well because you're aware, okay, this is the basics that I'm going to definitely be earning. And then on top of that, I can supplement it, supplement it with um, 
with more pictures and you know commissions from other magazines. Yeah, and and Minda, you you're you know you're a radio documentary maker, and that I presume is going to be your main income. But you've also got into teaching now as well. Yeah. Um, in a way, as I was saying, I've stuck to the comfort blanket of radio um, making, um, making programmes for radio. Um, but actually, it's interesting what Javari was saying about friendships and being nice to people, because actually what I have found is actually it's it's the networking and reaching out to people that I've known over the last few years. And I've got into teaching simply through emailing an old contact of mine, an old <laughs> colleague of mine, again, ex-BBC, reaching out to her at a university. I'd have done some um, guest lectures for her free over the last few years. They'd, you know, oh, can you come in and talk to my students about documentary making? So I'd done that as, as a as a favour and actually now it was my turn to call call in the favour so it's dropping an email and saying actually I've now left the Beeb I'm now a freelancer so if there are any gigs for teaching as a guest lecturer um, please you know count me in and actually you know she, she said yes there is and then she's put my details on to other people and I've gone off and it sort of it does it sort of goes from one to another so over the last three months you know I've been teaching at two universities um, an old colleague has called me back in to do a documentary with her because her producer went off sick I've been on the phone helping another friend colleague develop her podcast ideas so a lot of the time you are doing things as my husband says are you getting paid for this and I say no but it's development Rome wasn't built in a day but actually a lot of the stuff I did even when I worked for the BBC um you know, I used to get paid to work three days a week, but actually I was developing programmes, you know, five, six days a week. You know, you're always working in one to one extent. If you're a journalist, you're always looking for a story. You never stop. Yeah, I think I think that's really true. And I just want to bring it back, though, to this this idea about, I guess, that that groundwork of um, the promotion and, and the branding side of it. And Javari, I just wanted to ask you if could you do these different things you've got the copywriting but then you've also got the cooking side of things do you yeah. have sort of separate branding do you have different email or websites for different aspects of your work how do you sort of organize all of that um, not really I've just always had the same email um, I've got my my um, website is just a basic wordpress site that I made a few years ago which I really need to update yeah me <laughs> um, too we were just having that conversation yeah absolutely yeah I, I tended I used to update it occasionally with what I'd written as just as a, a record so I could return to it um so when I wanted to pitch editors I could use it as a you know an example of things that I've been been writing um but for I don't particularly have anything separate I'm just I think it's today's day and age it's like multi-hyphen jobs where you're doing lots and lots of different things so i'm journalism i've got copywriting i've got cookery um i've contributed to a couple of books um so i haven't actually done anything particularly when i was reading thinking about this um the topic as well of branding i was thinking goodness what have i actually done to brand myself what and it's made me think that there's probably a lot of different things that i could i should be doing like having business cards um updating my website regularly and probably sending out um, prospective 
emails and things to potential clients, which I've never really had to do. I think I've been quite lucky um, in that work has often come to me um, in the copywriting side of things. And I think it's fair um, to say, I think we'd probably all agree that that kind of stuff does get pushed to the bottom of the pile, yeah. the bottom of the list, when you're busy and you're doing things and you've got deadlines to meet. Um, I wanted to ask you, Lily, about, because you paid someone to do your website. Yeah. Um, you made that decision to kind of have a website done, and now your website is there and working. Now, I didn't do that, and I can do a website, that's fine, but I haven't found the time to do did i mention we wrote a book it was quite time consuming <laughs> so I, d- I didn't have find the time yeah to do it so sometimes do you need to kind of just think i just need this sorted yeah. how do you i think the thing is for me because i kind of went i had a i had a plan where i phased from employed to freelance i literally made a list of these are the things i want to have set up by the time i go fully freelance and one of those was to update my website. And for what I wanted to do, I felt I couldn't do that with just a basic WordPress because like everyone else, I have a portfolio career. I needed my website to reflect that. And it was just too tricky to do that with a with a free template. So I, I found someone who could do it relatively cheaply. Um, they just started out doing websites specifically for journalists so it was through one of my networks um so it was half the price of what i was getting quoted by other people so i thought it was a good investment there were other things um that i sort of set up from the beginning um so i think if you're starting out then um it's good to say you know here's a list of what i want to do i want to get my social media branding all the same using you know the same pictures the same links um, I'm going to get my website sorted out. I'm going to do my email signature. Um, I think if you're kind of, you've been freelance for quite a while and um, you've kind of just been making up as you go along, then that's when those things start to slip. But it, I think yeah. it's still important to do it because you never kind of know, you know, when your regular client's going to fall and you're going to have to find somebody else. Yeah. So at the moment, I've got a freelance gig that I want to apply for and I've got a month to now to sort my website out so my message is don't be like me get it sorted <laughs> at the beginning well, learn uh, from my mistakes and the other thing is a lot of journalists don't have websites Perminder have you got one no but you're up and the reason I don't have one is partly what you're saying Emma I am the sort of person that would start it and think actually you've got to keep on top of it so actually listening to you Lily I'm talking to various people I have decided that actually I do need to get one one but I'm going to get someone to do it for me because I want it to look professional and that's my big thing actually it's got to look professional I think you know I've googled and looked at some people's websites and you can tell they're literally just you know bold font with a wiggly thing underneath and it just looks like Emma's (laughs) no hey okay so So, I had a website a WordPress website for many 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 years and then I thought I'm gonna try and make this like do like a hosted one they have a squarespace account so i set it all up it's got very nice pretty banners all over it there's just no information on it Uh right now so it needs uploading (laughs) with articles and it needs uploading with all my work and i suppose the key thing there's now a lot of us out there who are all freelancers we're all in a way pitching for you know could be the same jobs um so you've almost got to i suppose stamp out you know your 
USP. You can tell I've read I've read a few articles before I came on this program. Your USP, um, just yeah. to punch out really. And also, I think it's about for me certainly when I get round to doing it, it's going to be promoting the sort of stuff that that I really want to do, the sort of programmes I really want to make, or the sort of genre of work I want to do. Because that's the reason I've left the BBC is to try and sort of spread my wings a bit more and just see what else is there out there so that I can sort of dip in and out of. Yeah, and I think the point that Javaria made earlier about um, it's kind of, it's a your brand is your personality as well. It's not, I write about this or I make programmes about that. It's it's selling yourself. And I know when I was going from the transition from employee to freelance, I actually saw a life coach, which is so not me, but she was fantastic. And... I kept saying to her, but I don't know how to brand myself. I don't know how to brand myself. I don't know what kind of journalist I want to be. And she said, you are the brand. And that's what's important, that that you are confident in yourself and you know what your skills are and you, you recognise what your personality is. And that is your brand. It doesn't matter if you do a bit of this and a bit of that. People are buying into you. They're not buying into your niche necessarily. Um, yeah, because Javaria, am I right in thinking that your um, the, the articles that you've done for kind of BuzzFeed, Vice, The Guardian, and things they tend to be like more first person pieces, essay type. Yeah, there are some first person pieces, and there are some more um, reporting type ones, depending on which ones that I've written for. Um, things on, for example, recently I did one on hair loss, which I spoke to lots of different women about um, their hair loss. Um, so. So yeah, I do I do a mix of things, but I find that um, having a my website itself is not I don't think it needs to be as for me personally I don't think it needs to be as slick because the editors that I work with I think they want to get to know who I am extremely quickly, which is which is what I do what I do what Lily does, which is to have at the bottom of my email signature like a couple of sentences with who I am and links to some of my some of my work because um, I find that the the fewer links they are or steps for an editor to find out what who you are and what you're about the better yeah you need to make but it easy for to, them don't you yeah yeah so I'm just like you just make it as easy as possible so if they can just read my pitch and then click onto a relevant article that reflects whatever it is that I've pitched about that I've written about in the past maybe that makes it so much easier for them and I because they're obviously so busy and sometimes it's so they don't even respond many on many occasions you just won't get a response if it's not something that they are interested in um, so I think if you can make it as, as easy as possible and condense down who you're about into two or three sentences with some links that can often work better than having an entire website because sometimes people are not going to trawl through the his, all the history of what you've written and all the links because they're not going to know that perhaps you might have an interesting cookery and you've written 20 articles on cookery. They're not going to go through all your website and find it. But if you signpost it in your own email to them, um, that makes things a lot easier. Yeah, and for you, how did the book come about? So you've got a book, um, some essays on motherhood, is that right? Yeah, there's a book. It's called The Best Most Awful Job, which is really true. It is the best most awful job um, to be a mum. It's coming out in March. And um, that was actually through a mutual friend of mine who had written, she'd written something for The Guardian about how there aren't many memoirs 
on parenting written by um, black and minority ethnic women. And from that, I think the editor of this novel got in touch with her to say that, look, we're looking for contributors. Would you like to... Um, we read your article and we thought you, you would make you know, a really useful person to be a part of it. And then from then on, they were looking for new people and somebody mentioned it to me. So I ended up pitching that editor um, with an idea and um, just went off from there, which is which actually my idea was um, how to handle a surprise pregnancy because I'm actually eight months pregnant right now. Ah, congratulations. Not, thank you. It was not planned. Which number um, child so is this? It's number three. Three. Ah, oh, you see, my number, th- um, my number three wasn't planned either. Yeah, I'm a number it's three really child. really hard to get your yeah, head around I it. I wasn't planned. <laughs> I think it's really hard to, when you're not sort of prepared yeah. for it and ready for it. It's not part of your plan of the future. And I've sort of had to manoeuvre my way through it. So I ended up writing an essay on that. Um, so that's another thing that I've done. And I've been in the previous book before, um, which was for a website called The Pool. Yeah. Um, which it was run by Lauren Laverne and Sam Baker and it recently closed down. So actually going back to the having the website, I suppose websites are useful in that you can keep links to, you're supposed to be able to keep links to all your work, but the, because the pool closed down, I lost a lot of work that I'd done for them mm. on their cookery section. Yeah. Um, and it was the same for another website for young women I used to write for called The Debrief, um, which closed down a few years ago. But because that was owned by a large publishing house, Bauer Media, it, they transferred the, all of them over to Grazia magazine instead. So you've still got those ones? Yeah, yeah so I've still got those. So I, I know some, some writers who will completely take their entire articles and just post them on their website, which I'm not sure in terms of like copyright, whether that's viable or not. But some of them will put it on there before it's been edited, so like an unedited version of whatever they've filed. Um, so they've always got it there, no matter what. So I think that's one of the things. It can be quite tricky to keep a portfolio when a lot of online publications are closing down. Yeah, and that's an interesting um, point, actually, about copyright. Yeah, there was mm-hmm. discussion in yeah. one of the groups about that the other day. Yeah. Um, that they, they are clamping down on that. Yeah. Um, do you have links on your website to the... Or do you have the articles? You have links to. I have the publication. Well, it depends if yeah. So I have links if it's online, but then because a lot of stuff I do with magazines, it's not online. So I have either a PDF yeah. or sometimes just a photograph. Yeah. Um, because I do want to encourage people to go out and buy the magazine as well. Yeah. Um, I guess the guess the lesson from that is if it's something you're really proud of or you think will be really useful in the future is to screen grab it or you know you've got your original copy as well but to keep some kind of copy um of yeah it. it just can be difficult when you're sort of pitching to somebody and you've got to send them a screen grab it can yeah. look a bit odd or yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of people just don't have time to do it i think if you're working freelance anyway for a lot of freelancers tend to be working around for me in particular i work around my children as well so there's only a limited amount of time. So like getting screen grabs of things that you've done can sort of be something a little bit extra on your plate that you don't really want to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we've all learned today is that you kind of need to keep doing this stuff and not let it slide until it becomes a big project, but just to keep kind of updating yeah. and keeping on top of it, whether that's your email signature or your social media or your website, however you've chosen to do it, it's just about making that part of your everyday work and not letting it 
side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So I think um, we're going to start uh, wrapping things up there. So thanks ever so much, Javaria, um, for oh, phoning pleasure. in today from home, and uh, good luck with baby number three. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I need all the help I can get. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> they're just self-sufficient. Baby number three. They're just free range. It's fine. Sort themselves out. Okay. I'm um, Paminda, I saw I saw you nodding earlier. Are you a baby number three as well? I am a baby number three, but I think I was planned. Oh, because my parents were. I mine was the classic. I was the third daughter, so they were hoping for a, a son. Uh, and then number four was the son. Oh, okay. So they kept going. They kept going. <laughs> kept going. Brave. Oh, well, thank you very much for coming into the studio today. Okay, so if you want to know more about any of this, you can check out our website at freelancingforjournalists.com where you'll find links to any uh, resources that we've mentioned in the podcast today. Um, we'll also put those links in the episode notes. And as we mentioned earlier, quite a bit, um, our book Freelancing for Journalists is out, hopefully summer 2020, so keep your eyes out for that. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And please do get in touch if you have any questions on Freelance Life. You can email us at freelancingforjournalists at gmail.com If this has been at all helpful then please like, rate and subscribe to the podcast so people can find us And just a note to say that this podcast has been developed with the help of a grant from Sheffield Hallam University and was produced by students on our BA and MA journalism courses Um, And thanks for listening and this was our last episode but because we're really kind we have a bonus podcast episode out for you next week Um, which will be on when the journalist becomes the story. Yeah, so look out for that and we will say bye for now. Bye.